Hi everyone, this is Pastor Jeremy. This is a little bit different. Um, if for many of you that don't know, or for those of you that don't know, uh, we, we had to cancel service, uh, at least for the next two weeks, due, the, due to the coronavirus. The reason why we chose to do this is because we do not, we do not take uh, this pandemic lightly, and we, we really don't want to uh, further spread this disease around, especially uh, to risk people from get from getting really sick. Uh, and and uh, in order to best do that, we, we just decided that since the school districts nearby are closing down at least for the next two weeks because of an extended spring break, uh, that we want we just want to keep you you all safe. Uh, this isn't to have anyone panic or anyone be worried about anything. Really, this is this is just for us to. Uh, go to the Lord um, in faith and, and knowing that He He's the one that can calm calm our hearts and He can heal our land. Uh, so really, this is not a time for us to become, be concerned or worried, but at the same time, we want to be responsible. Uh, you know, I, I suggest that, that you um, stay at home and, and you make sure that you, you watch the news and you know what the CDC and the WHO are, are recommending in terms of what to do. Uh, of course, I'm sure you've heard it a lot by now, but you should be washing your hands and making sure that when you come into contact with other people, that you're not touching, uh, touching each other or touching your face or, or kind of just spreading that, those germs around. Uh, we, we really do want to make sure that our healthcare system isn't overburdened uh, by, this, by this pandemic. Again, I'm not a health professional. I'm, I'm not the best in, in terms of uh, what we should be doing. So please always defer to, to the professionals who are, or are going to be able to tell you uh, what to do during this time. In terms of church, like I said, we will be closed for at least the next two weeks. Uh, please be in contact with us. Um, if you haven't been receiving the emails, I think we realize we really do want to make sure our email system is all up to date and everyone is uh, getting emails uh, quickly so that we can uh, respond to you in the best way possible. Uh, if you need to, just, just email me. My, my email address is pastorjeremy at lccdenver.org uh, or just go on our website. And I know it seems weird, but just go on our website and just fill in that submission form and I, I will get your email and I will get uh, your email address. Uh, other than that, you can always you can always just uh, call me. My number is eight one seven 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 six two zero one zero. I know it's the internet, but I mean the internet already has has my information. So yeah, feel free to to contact me in any of those ways, and and I'll I'll be sure to uh, to speak with you. Um, so before we go into the word today, I, I wanted to to go into prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, uh, Lord. We thank you that. That we can trust you, even in times where the, the church is closed, uh, that we we are not afraid of what the future has uh, has in store for us, because we know that you are you are in control of all things, that you you have this in your hand. But Lord, uh, help us to um, really be the salt and the light in this world during this time. That as others are are panicking or in crisis, uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to stand in the front lines, uh, really sharing the love of Christ. Uh, to all those who are in need. Lord, I, I pray that you would keep our congregation healthy. You would keep us safe uh, from the coronavirus. You would, you would help those who, who are already infected, uh, for them not to get into a critical situation. And for those who are, Lord, that your healing hand would be on them. Uh, Lord, again, we just trust in your sovereignty and know that you are good uh, in all things. Father, I just pray that you would continue to watch over us. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so again, during this time, I'm sure many of you 
uh, have either heard from your work or schools or I don't know I've been getting tons of emails just from like my insurance companies or the library or I don't know some some websites that I, I'm sure I signed up for just telling me uh, what to do during times of crisis during times of this pandemic and it's interesting to me uh, just being so in tune with the news watching the numbers rise on the internet of, of how many people are infected of of what's going on and um, you know our deacons we we had a meeting last week talking about our protocol for the church and and as we were even discussing like uh, the protocol and the protocol was was relatively simple it was just making sure that uh, those who are sick would stay home and and uh, that we wouldn't close down church unless it was uh, something that the schools were closing down I, I think that was when when I was at least uh, thinking about what to do in response to the coronavirus it really was uh, if the schools shut down then then I don't see why why church should remain open because if the schools are shutting down I'm sure that there are officials who are thinking for the best interest of the community uh, to say hey we need to shut down our schools uh, so that we don't get people sick and again even as we're talking about all these things there was a sense of man this is really strange I, I, I don't think I've ever been in a pandemic before I know we have had the swine flu in the past and H1N1 and SARS and all those things, but those always felt like they were so, they were so far away. And I, again, you know, we, I'm, a, I'm a Korean American. And so uh, even during the, the, the H1N1, I believe, I was in Korea and I remember uh, being in Korea and, and people were really uh, a little, little bit more tense. And I remember there was a lot of disinfecting units that you would kind of walk into these tents and they would spray this disinfectant on you before you go into a large gathering. And uh, again, even then it didn't feel like this. It didn't feel like a, a global issue. It was one of those things where uh, I was in Korea during the H1N1 and, and it felt like because I was in Korea, they were overreacting. Korea was just uh, a little... A little tense, a little uh, antsy in terms of dealing with with this disease. But I mean, when you go back to the U.S., people didn't really care about H1N1. They didn't really care about the disease, so there wasn't that sense uh, of of panic. It wasn't like the, the the grocery stores or the supermarkets were running out of supplies um, because no one really cared or no one really thought it was impacting them. I guess this is a little bit different. Uh, people, are, I think, are starting to worry a little bit more. Uh, people are starting to to think that this is perhaps more serious than they, they hoped. But when it comes to panic, when it comes to worry, when it comes to anxiety, and I say this to you while I'm sitting in my home, in my office, because we've closed down church. Uh, when it comes to these situations, what is our response? What should our response be? Should we... Should we say that you know fear is something that is, is completely ungodly and if you fear then you're not trusting God? Or is it something to say that yeah, your fears are, 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 are right and they're good, that you should have fear, you should be afraid of things like this. Again, like I even talked about last week when we spoke about clean and unclean, I think many times we polarize the topic and we polarize the subject and we make it into these two extremes. Today I wanna to talk about a biblical response to panic, a biblical response to fear. And the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the miracles of Jesus. And, and, and the, the series is called Miracles of Jesus because we're going to end um, this series and then the week after, we're going to enter into Palm Sunday. And, and it's going to be the best miracle of Jesus where he dies on a cross for us and is raised again from the dead so that we would be, we'd be cured, we healed of our sin. 
But the, the reason why I want to focus on these miracles, on, a, on three in particular, but I, the reason why I want to focus on these three miracles in these next three weeks is because miracles happen during times of distress. Miracles happen when we are anxious, when we are worried. Miracles happens when we are in need. Miracles don't happen when, when people can figure it out. Miracles don't happen when, when we have the solutions and we have the answers and we know the protocol and we know what to do. That's not the time for miracles. Miracles occur when we need Jesus, when we need God. And I, I want that to sink in a little bit. I want you to understand the reason why I, 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 I want to talk about miracles is because we live in a day and age where we have the answers. We have the solutions. We live in a day and age where, where we trust in things of this world and we hope and we want to make sure that those systems, those structures, that those things hold up. And we don't really leave room for miracles. We don't really leave room for God to show up. So this, this first story that I want to read is found in Matthew chapter 8 from verse 23 to verse 27. And it begins by saying, Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So this is a story that I'm sure you've heard before. And if you haven't, uh, I would recommend you just reading the book of Matthew, the whole gospel. Because the book of Matthew is full of these miracles that Jesus has done. Full of these parables that Jesus said. These stories regarding the kingdom of God. But in conjunction with the parables that Jesus is telling are these miracles. And, and these miracles are very significant because it is times in which... The people experiencing these miracles were in a life and death situation. That they felt and they had this sense of dread and this urgency inside of them. That they had to cry out to God. And it was those who cried out to God that were able to witness the miracles. But moreover, it was the faith of the people that allowed them to recognize that these miracles were done by God Himself. There is this strong connection, this strong relationship between miracles and faith. And that's kind of the first thing I want to talk about uh, today, is that when we talk about miracles, a lot of us think, I need more faith to experience or that God would do miracles in my life. And I want you to understand something important. It's not that faith is what brings about miracles. What brings about miracles is God. And God will do miracles because that's how God works. God does miracles. That's just how he operates. What faith allows, what faith allows is for us to see the miracle. And when we don't have faith, we won't see the miracle. It's not that the miracle won't happen. It's that we won't have an ability to observe 
the miracle. There's a reason why, there is a very distinct reason why that an atheist, no matter what they witness, no matter what they see with their own eyes, an atheist will not be able to experience a miracle. Because when an atheist or or someone that doesn't believe in God witnesses a miracle, what ends up happening is, is that they turn to science and they turn to the things of this world to explain what God has done. And when you take that stance of faithlessness, of basically trying to explain everything, the way these miracles works, of course there's a scientific explanation as to how it happened or to what it happened. Because we have to remember that our God is the God that created science. I I think there's an important factor about, about the way that Jesus works that we have to understand. He was the one that made the world the way it is. He's the one that created the logic of the universe, the logic of creation. And so when he does a miracle, he's not breaking the rules. He's the one who made the rules. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He didn't come to abolish the way things, the way things happen. He's the one in charge of the laws. He's the one who wrote the laws. And so when these miracles happen, I think it's really funny. Or it's at least interesting. When these miracles happen, of course there is an explanation. But what makes it a miracle is faith. What makes it a miracle is saying, man, God is the only one who is able to do this. So, and again, maybe this is a a, a stretch. But I, I, I really believe even if an atheist saw Jesus today and saw what Jesus was going was doing and I, I that he saw that an atheist saw Jesus raise people from the dead and heal the sick and and heal the blind and and multiply 5000 you know multi- multiplies uh five loaves of of bread and two fish into meals for 5000 people I don't think that naturally or automatically leads him to faith in Christ and if you're going to push back with me on that, I, I, I hope you understand that there were Pharisees. There were Pharisees that witnessed the miracles of Jesus. There were, there were, there were these Pharisees, these church people, that, that, these temple people that literally saw with their own eyes Jesus heal people. Jesus pray and, and God do these miracles through His Son. And yet, those Pharisees did not believe. They didn't have faith. And so again, I I want you to understand that faith is our way of observing miracles. And without faith, you cannot see miracles. Without faith, miracles are just a coincidence. Miracles are just something that happened. Something something amazing, truly amazing, but it doesn't lead you to faith necessarily. It doesn't lead you to believe in God. And that's why we need to see these miracles in the lens of faith. Which brings me back to the disciples on this boat. And, they, and, remi- and mind you, they're on the boat with Jesus. And Jesus is sleeping down in the bottom of the boat. And, and so what's, what's always interesting and what's always fascinating about the story is that Jesus is resting. He, he is uh, in the lower, in the belly of the ship. And, and he's taking a nap. And, and while he's taking a nap, I'm sure this boat is just being battered by the winds and the waves of the sea. There's probably this, 
this amazing, miraculous storm that's going on outside. And these guys, and, and again, some of them are professional fishermen. There are at least four of them on the boat that are professional fishermen that have lived on the sea, that have gone out on the sea and gone fishing, have experienced the waves. And yet, even though this was their occupation, they had never seen a storm like this. They had never experienced a storm like this. And so they began to fear for their lives. They began to be so afraid that they were going to die that they cried out. They cried out to Jesus and they thought they were going to die and they went and they woke Jesus from his sleep. And Jesus responds to them, rebuking them, admonishing them, saying, you of little faith. What I find interesting about this is that Jesus was not looking at their action. He was looking at their heart. This is what's fascinating to me. I I do believe that the disciples could have done the same action and not been rebuked by Christ. You see, if the disciples had seen the storm around them, seen the storm that was crashing into their ship, and they had this anxiety and this fear, but they had a firm belief that Jesus could save them, that Jesus not only could save them, but would save them, then instead of waking him up with a heart of dread, a heart of fear, a heart of of panic and anxiety, that if they went to Jesus and they requested from their Lord, if they requested from the Messiah, if they requested from God Almighty, if they requested from the, the God who created all of heaven and earth, and they went to him in faith and said, Jesus, we are worried. But Jesus, we know that you are in charge of the storm. We know that you are in charge of the sea. Lord, we are worried, but we trust in you. Could you help us? And I know this this seems like I'm 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 splitting splitting uh splitting ends or I'm 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 kind of being nitpicky in the way this works. But I, I really look at their response, the response of going to Christ during times of trouble has not been rebuked. You see, when people were in trouble, when people were sick or they were ill or they were in need, they went to Jesus. And they went to Jesus with faith in their heart, knowing that Jesus could save them. There was there's a famous parable or a famous story, a famous story of one of Jesus' miracles of a centurion who goes to Christ, who goes to Jesus, and, and he wants one of his servants to be healed. And, and amazingly, and, and this is where Jesus commends the centurion's faith. Because what he does to the centurion is he is as the centurion goes up to Jesus and says, Will will you heal my, my servants? Will you heal this worker of mine? And Jesus says, okay, let's go. Let's go to your house. And the centurion says, no, 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 Lord, Lord, I know. (laughs) If you just say the word, if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus says something very famously uh, to the centurion. And he says, in all the land of Israel, there is no one who has a greater faith than you. 
He, he commends the centurion's faith because the centurion believed that just because Jesus said that his servant would be healed, Jesus didn't even need to go to his house. Jesus didn't need to go and lay hands on that, on that servant. He had such a faith in the power of, of Jesus' word that the moment Jesus said he's healed, the centurion believed he's healed. And so again, in, in talking about the disciples and their faith, there was something lacking inside of them. There was something in their heart that Jesus was talking about that clearly the centurion had when he was asking Jesus, would you heal my servant? And Jesus said, yes. The centurion had an assurance that Jesus was going to come through, that Jesus was going to save. They had a confidence in Christ. I think this was a time that the disciples didn't have much confidence in Jesus. They had more confidence that the storm was going to overtake them, that the storm was going to kill them. Again, I think um, I've, I've heard some sermons talking about how uh, this is proof that you know Jesus wants us just to not be afraid and, and just let him sleep. You know why why wake him up and why, why bother him? Uh, again, it sounds weird, but I, I remember in a small group of mine back in college where someone even said, uh, isn't this proof, isn't this passage proof that, that we don't need to pray? They basically said, we don't need to pray because doesn't God already know our problems? Doesn't God already know the storms that we're in? And what's the point of waking Jesus with our problems? What's the point of waking him up and saying, hey, I'm so afraid of my storms, of the storm in my life. Jesus, would you, would, you, would you calm the storm? Uh, I, I want to make it really clear. And again, this is weird for me because uh, I, I can't see you face to face. God knows the storms that you're in. God knows and he, and he empathizes. He's not oblivious to the storms in your life. He's not oblivious to the fact that things are rough and things are difficult. And things are a little scary. And things can cause you anxiety. can cause fear. What God wants, in spite, despite these storms, He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to trust Him more than you trust the storm outside. I think a lot of us, when we have our problems, when we have the things that cause anxiety, we give so much trust that these things have power over us, that they have power in our lives, that they have authority over our lives. Jesus wants us to have a faith. God wants us to have a faith that he has authority in our life. I think this is the big difference between the centurion and the disciples, is that the centurion understood authority. He understood, Jesus, if you say the word, my servant will be healed. You don't even need to go there if you just say the word that my servant will be healed. And Jesus called that faith. The centurion understanding the authority of God was faith. But I think the disciples understood the authority of nature. They understood the authority of the power of the storm. And they were deferring to that authority rather than deferring to the authority of Christ. Who was the king? Who is the one sitting on the throne? 
For the centurion, Jesus was on the throne. Jesus is the one who is sitting on the throne that when Jesus says the word, it is done, it is completed. But Jesus' own disciples, who had witnessed, mind you, witnessed miracles, they had already seen the power of God in Jesus, him doing the things like healing, like feeding people, making the blind see and the paralyzed walk healing lepers and doing these things that that we know of but they weren't living under that authority they were living under the authority of the storm the storm was dictating their actions you see the centurion his actions were dictated by the words of jesus so how do we calm the storm in our lives so we rely on the authority of christ And this is where it becomes difficult because relying on the authority of Christ means that we are in humble submission to whatever God says. If Jesus says, do this, if Jesus says, love your neighbor, if Jesus says, love your enemy, you do it. Not because you understand it, but because you understand his authority. If Jesus says, do not lust, if Jesus says, do not lie, do not steal, do not kill, if Jesus says, don't hate, you don't hate, not because you understand the concept, but because you rely on his authority and his power. But I think a lot of us, instead of wanting to calm the storm by relying on the authority of Christ, we actually focus on the storm. We focus on the implications of this storm, the damage that this storm is going to cause. Perhaps my own life that will be lost because this storm is strong and great and it's going to cause me to drown in the sea. I think right now our country, our world is going through a storm. And this isn't to say that the storm isn't powerful and isn't strong. I'm sure the disciples, they saw with their own eyes. That storm that they were going through was strong and it was powerful. It was enough to scare some professional fishermen. They had never seen a storm like this before. The storm was strong, but they were allowing the storm to have authority over their lives. The storm was dictating how they were acting. The storm was dictating how they were thinking. The storm was dictating dictating who was king. See, I, I think as coronavirus begins to spread and as we hear the news, it's not that we need to be unrealistic. I, I don't want you to go out there and say, oh, this, you know, this virus isn't going to impact me. It absolutely can impact you. Absolutely. I, I don't want you to think that this, you can't get sick from it just because you're a Christian. I, I think there are a lot of Christians who will be impacted by this virus. And I, I don't mean to be doom and gloom about it. I think that's just the nature and the reality of this. But there is a difference between a Christian, a Christian who gets this, compared to someone who doesn't know Jesus is because when you know Jesus, when you know God, there is no sickness that can separate you from his love. There is no disease. There is no disease that can separate you from the love of God. That no matter what happens, because Jesus is king and he is sovereign over all, That no matter what our circumstances, no matter what storm there is, we trust in Him. 
and we trust in His love, we trust in His acceptance, and we trust in His grace. See, if it's flipped, like how it was flipped for the disciples, that when we experience this, this, this storm or this disease, and we give authority to the disease, and we give authority to the storm, Jesus will respond back to us saying, you of little faith. And yes, Jesus will calm that storm. Jesus has the power to stop it in an instant. But it is a question of our faith. Do we believe that God has our best interest? Even in times where we experience the storm? Do we believe in a God who loves and cares for us? That no matter what's going on in our world, that we'll rely on the authority of God. Again, Christians, people who believe in Christ need to be on the front lines. We need to be the ones showing the love of, of Jesus in these difficult times. It's not that we don't experience the storm. No, we will absolutely experience the storm. And, and, and I think that a lot of times we feel like God is sleeping while we go through our storms, while we go through our troubles in life, it feels, like, it feels like God is asleep. It feels like when we're going through the roughest times, uh, the roughest times and going through so much, it feels like, God, why are you sleeping right now? Don't you see how much pain I'm in? Don't you see how much this hurts? Can't you see that I need you? That it's in these moments that we need to recognize that Jesus is on the throne, not the storm. We need to recognize that Jesus is sitting in control. And you know what? If the king sleeps, he has a reason. He knows and we can trust in him. Truly, I think this is where a lot of us are going to have to come to terms with our faith in times of struggle. And maybe it's not even just the coronavirus. Maybe it's the fact that the stock market is down or, or your job's on the line or, or you're just worried about your family and, and all these different things. Who is sitting on the thro throne in your life? Who's in charge? Is it your bank account? Is it your family? Is it your job? Your career? Is it your mortgage payments? Or is it Jesus? I think what the disciples learned, a very important lesson the disciples learned in that moment was, if I'm with Jesus, he's in charge, and I'll just listen to him. If I'm with Jesus, whatever he says goes. If I'm with Jesus, I'm safe. And yes, it means that we'll still experience storms and troubles. But if Jesus is in control, even when you go in those troubles, you can begin to anticipate, anticipate his miracle. We don't know how his miracles will come. We don't know what, what shape or what form or what time they'll come. But if we trust in the love of God, if we trust in his sovereignty, then we, when we are in the times of most difficult struggle, we know that he is still in control. I pray that all of you during this time, uh, whether you're in self-isolation or you have to go to work or wherever it may be, I pray that you remain healthy. I pray that this epidemic or pandemic uh, isn't, isn't too disastrous for your life. 
But I also pray that this would be a time that we all fall on our knees and give glory to God. That we go to Him in prayer, not because He doesn't know our needs, but we go to Him in prayer so that our heart would recognize that He is the King. You are absolutely welcome to get to the throne and to come before the feet of Jesus and request as a servant request, as a subject request before the Most High King, you can request to God whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you want, you can request to God, but as long as we understand that He has authority and not the storm. I pray that many of you recognize that although the storm in your life may seem powerful, that God is more powerful. And so the way that you calm this storm is by giving praise, honor, and glory to the one who has power. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I pray for our church. I pray that you would be with us all, uh, that as we're in our homes, that as we are are trying to worship you, uh, even though we're not with our, our full community, that you would still lead and guide us and hold us together by your love. Lord, I, I pray uh, that although that we cannot see each other face to face, that you would remain uh, strong in our lives, that we would not fear what is going outside of the walls, we would not fear the storm that's raging on, but instead we would just go to our Lord and say, Lord, you have the power with one word to stop this storm, and we trust in your authority and your grace. We love you, we thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.